Set summer in motion with the most adventurous Honda vehicles yet, like the Passport and Pilot Trail Sport, and the Ridgeline, built for better off-road performance and engineered for more adventure. Summer's here. For a limited time, well-qualified buyers can get a 3.9% APR on a 2023 Honda Pilot, a 2.9% APR on a 2023 Passport, and a 0.9% APR on a 2023 Ridgeline. Buy online, reserve from select dealers, or visit your local Honda dealer today. See dealer for financing details. She had this claw thing that she put on. It was just like all like claws, but like a little pointy Wolverine thing. And she started doing scratchy stuff. And within like 30 seconds, I was like, I think I like it. And I was deeply confused. Yeah. I didn't know that that was a thing, and yeah. then I found out like, oh, I, there's there's a move, reason why this is a genre. I was like, I was like crying, but like it feels good. <laughs> also, what else? Yeah. Which is also some weird fetish of crying. <laughs> there's a sex fetish of like watching men and women cry as well while they eat cereal. Have you guys seen this? What? what? That's not a. That's not <laughs> that's a. It. I'm sorry, now I've spit on you and I just met you. I'm sorry. What? I get super excited about these things. But no, there is. There's a fetish where if you go on YouTube or any like underground dark web, mm-hmm. like, yeah, all you have to do People is put crying, crying fetish while eating. Eating cereal or eating. Or eating spaghetti eating. anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, are we? Okay, I wasn't even. All right, we were just chilling talking about fetishes. Jeez, guys, got all serious. Isn't that how you open was, every <laughs> show? Hey, I what's, open every show. Welcome. To the not cool podcast. What's your what's your darkest kink? And then I make you get naked. And I'm like, can somebody bring the oil, please? While a fluffy the doll, while oil? a f- fluffy so dog dances in front of us. Oh my god, it reminds me of Silence of the Lambs. Anywho, um, okay. Well, before we get started, let me make sure I'm saying it correctly because I have to do this. It doesn't whether your name is John Ford. I still have to do this. All right. Salima uh, Mes- Mesquite Mesquila. You were halfway there. Should I? T- I t- so don't do this part because I, I meant to ask you this before. Salema? Salema, yes. And then let's phonetically dance through the last part. I've even listened to this. I have such a learning disability. It's not great. Um, Masakela. 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 You were close. Masakela. Yeah. Okay. Salima and Masa- in your defense, Masakela. I pronounced it wrong in my youth. And then my dad one day was like, hey, man. It's not an A before the A. It's an E. I like your dad. It's Masakella, man. Don't fuck up our name. He sounds like the coolest man on my earth. My dad was <laughs> my dad was the coolest man on earth. Oh, like he truly and and holy was. And he was. It's funny that your podcast is called the Not Cool Podcast because everything was about being cool. For okay. So, if I wanted to do something or or would ask it as his advice about life. It would come down to whether or not it was like genuinely cool or not. You just got to ask yourself, man, like, is it cool? Like, is it really cool? But, you know, he's a jazz musician. So that was everything was based on like, you know, why would you play that riff? That shit's not cool. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Damn, the coolest of the cool. He was the cool. not cool. He was the coolest of the cool. Well, we got a little bit of his lineage with you here because I'm going to say you're pretty fucking cool. 
Thanks. You're welcome. I, I feel the same way about you. Thank you. So before we go on any further, because I do have a tendency to do this, because I am obsessed with all of my guests, or they're not, or I wouldn't have them on. I just think they're brilliant. But I, we get like half an hour in, and nobody knows who I'm talking to. Because okay. Of, you know what I'm saying? Um, all right. So my guest today is Salima Masakella. Bang. She did that. Um, but you have so many credits. I spent the past two and a half days when I knew when you said you would come on here studying you because, well, before I get into how I found out about you, um, for people who have don't know you, which everybody I'm sure it's knows you. It's a big world. It is a big world. Um, and you're, there's Twitch. I don't even know what Twitch is. I haven't even been on there. Yeah. I, I can't even. Well, I just mean there's a lot of people who are known for stuff now. Okay. Well, no, I know. I go on Instagram, and literally there's 14 million people who have 437,000 yeah. million followers yeah. who are apparently fucking famous. Yeah. And then you feel bad about your shit. You're like, I thought I was cool. <laughs> it doesn't take a lot for me to feel bad about my shit. But it is amazing to me that I'm like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. how there's whole countries who know this person. Fame has been deeply democratized by the Internet. But everybody can't be famous. Don't tell them that. Come on, man. Or maybe I'm just bitter that I'm not the one who has formerly. I'm with you. But I, you know, I love my 137,000 deeply dedicated, my little community of folks that people are like, don't you want to get to like 200,000? I'm like, how? Isn't that bananas that that's like the new like goalpost of like, okay. I remember going into an audition once not too long ago and, um, I thought I killed it. And they were just like, yeah, you know, mm. your social media is just a little. I'm like, how about my fucking body of work? Like, <laughs> what are we talking about here? They're like, yeah, they just, you know, they're looking for people who are going to be able to promote the show. I'm like, what are we talking about here? Done. Yeah. And then they they hired someone subpar at what, what, uh, what I do. And the show didn't go. But they were legit serious. Mm. Like, get those numbers up and. We'll see you again soon. It's in every industry. Yeah. Every single, it's, I don't know, it, it does. It's this crux of like, how much do I care about it? Because it's an alternate reality that's not even real. But that's, again, so it bring me, brings me back to why I was so attracted to you as an individual. Because I found you because obviously I had Jason Ellis on the show. Uh, it'll be two episodes or a couple episodes ago. And I noticed your name popped up on my page after he posted, I think, something on his page. Mm -hmm. And I was like, who's this guy? So, like, I went, and you have a life that I wish I could live, meaning that you are a snowboarder, a surfer, skateboarder, all kinds of just outdoorsy. If, there's an, if you're outdoors and you can put a sport to it, you do it. I'm outside, yeah. You're outside a lot. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, hold up. And so this is why it took me so long to study you. Because, <clears throat> let me get back to your <laughs> bio on the Wikipedia. Uh, you're an American, I don't know why I say American, television host, sports commentator, actor, singer, and every single thing that I just mentioned. And probably then some that is not even on here. Maybe, yeah. Um, but yeah, I do all those things. You do so many things. I do. I Sometimes it feels like a, it's 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 felt like a um, like a, a, a 
what's the word I'm looking for? It's felt sometimes like it holds me back. Mm. I even have complexes myself because I'm not like just like a killer at the one thing. Mm -hmm. And it could be because I have a little bit of ADHD. So if like things aren't popping in in an area that I'm normally in, I'm I'm the kid who's like, well, what's going on over there? Oh, I think I I think I may have something to give over there. And then I'm like, run to that thing. With the unfinished project in front of you. Exactly. And then I go and make an album. And then the music ends up in some TV shows, and I'm like, all right, cool. And then I go and, you know, get a part in a movie, and like, all right, I'll show up and do that. And then I go back to hosting sports, and I kind of round robin. I, I sometimes really wish that I could just have been like handsome and straight, like just straight forward enough that they could just put me in a box that I keep always working, like Carson Daly or, mm. um, or or Seacrest, I'm always just like, God, man, it'd be so cool just to be like that dude that they're like, yeah, we know exactly what we're getting. Um, but I've, I'm 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 kind of over that now. I'm I'm happy to be the, a weirdo who just does lots of stuff. Yeah, well, that's it's interesting because it's kind of what I've thought about. I relate to you. I always look for similarities in every human being before I look for like differences because those are always there's always going to be them. But I also identify with you a lot, like with because you do a lot of things, and because I grew up, I from Kentucky, but I grew up skiing. In Kentucky, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Also, that laugh is amazing. Thank you so that much. That part, it's, that, you know, that, <laughs> that particular range you just fell into. I was like, whoa. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole. Do you do voiceover stuff too? I don't, but no? although people have told me that I should, yeah. I read an audio book once. And that was about as further, but I would love to, I think, but again, I'm a lot like you where I don't like, like every, look at me trying to put my, no, my, no, no, my no, addictions I, on you. Hey, go do this other thing. Listen, but it's, but that's, what's so funny. But I also have the personality. If you give me two or more things, I get really overwhelmed. Also same. Yeah. I'm like a one focus kind of individual, but I give you all of the focus until something else comes along. And I'm like, oh, shit, I want to try that. I'm deeply present in the space that I'm supposed to be in. And I'll show all the way the fuck up when I'm there. And then I'm like, I go and spin off. But skiing in Kentucky. Yeah. So where did you go to ski? Paoli, Indiana. Paoli, Indiana. Indiana. Elevation 700. feet. (laughs) I was being generous. (laughs) It was somebody's backyard with a slight slant. Right. No, well, that's because that's what made me think. I was like, wow, this guy, like, you grew up in California. I started in New York. Yeah, East Coast. Yeah, and then my parents moved to Southern California when I was 16, like, late 80s. So you got a mat. It's like 88. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's got the fucking hair and stuff. And I moved to Carlsbad, okay, North yeah. County of San Diego, where there was population like two black people yeah. total. And I was out of like a, a John Hughes movie. Like it was like Southern California, <laughs> bro. You know? <laughs> I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> and it was broed out. Hey, so and girls, like I remember going to yeah. school and girls were like in tube tops and Mm -hmm. bikini tops and stuff that you would get suspended for on the east coast like where am i and dudes had all like one head shaved down the side and then the thing coming over and they're like hey what's what's up dude right on where you from right new york sick dude you carry a knife like that was one of the first questions you you carry a knife dude why like um you break dance like do a head spin like all all those things and 
everybody surfed in my town. Mm -hmm. That was that was what it was. And I had seen surfing the year before. Mm -hmm. I had been my my dad's a jazz musician named Hugh Masekela. And um, the year before, I was when I was fifteen. My dad took me out of school for three months to go on the road with him on a on a tour as a roadie mm -hmm. with Paul Simon on the Graceland tour. <laughs> so think of like the movie Almost Famous, mm -hmm. everything in that movie, and then dial it up ten, and that was like my life yeah, on that right. tour. But we went to Australia, and I saw surfing for the first time there. Mm -hmm. And there was there was a, like a roadie backstage from from like the local crew um, in the different cities, and there was this Aussie guy who would always come and bring his surfboard and put it behind um, underneath the scaffolding. And I'd be like, "Hey man, what's what's that?" He's like, "Oh mate, it's me surfboard." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I surf before work. I'm like, "What yeah. is does that mean? Can can you take me to see it?" Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, I'll take you, I'll take you, I'll take you." And finally one day he's like, "I can't fucking take you, but I'll I can tell you where to go." The and um, hang out with a lot of Aussies. <laughs> so I took a boat to Bondi, mm -hmm. and he told me where to go, and I bought a sandwich and sat on this bench, and these two kids about my age come strolling out, and next thing you know, I'm watching these kids, and they're breakdancing on fucking water. And I just had my mind fucking blown, like, watching them, like, you know, just this, it was like breakdancing, where it's like personal style, and you could tell they were one-upping each other, and even though I'd never done it before, I was like, I know that language. That's my language. And I don't know if I'll, when I ever would ever get a chance to go and do it. But if I could, I want to do that. A year later, I come home from school in New England. I was living in New England at the time. And my stepfather sits me down for a serious conversation. He's like, your mother doesn't want to be cold anymore. She doesn't want to experience the East Coast winters. I think he was selling her out. Yeah. Like he, he had interest as well. My mother was is from grew up in Haiti and she did not like the cold. Yeah. Um, and they said we're moving to California, we're moving to a place called Carlsbad. And I had to go look up in an encyclopedia where, mm -hmm. or what a Carlsbad might be. Fast forward, being at this school, all these kids, weird language, get to leave campus for mm -hmm. lunch, which was also only in the fucking so movies. Like, what? This shit is real? You're kidding me. Yep. So we leave. I get in the in the back hatchback of this kid's Subaru and I'm scrunched in the back and we go to a place called Carl's Jr. I don't know what that is, but I get a double Western burger and we go to the beach and go to the parking lot and they're all sitting there eating their burgers, looking out at the water, speaking in this in tongues essentially about mm -hmm. what they're witnessing. And I look and I see a guy paddle and stand up and I'm like, I've seen that before. I'm like, get out of here, dude. <laughs> No way, New York. I'm like, no, I've seen that. I'm like, where? I'm like, Bondi motherfucking beach yeah. in Sydney, Australia last year. Now, yeah. I've been to like the Holy Grail. I didn't know that was a thing, yeah. but I tell them I've been to Bondi. And they're like, what? Whatever. Tell yeah. them the story. And they're like, Paul Simon, who is this guy? <laughs> anyway, that's how I, um, I came to learn surfing. And they took me surfing. I went to this kid's house. And the first time that I stood up on a wave, it was like a very, like a baptismal deeply spiritual time slowed down i only stood up for a couple of seconds but i remember falling into the ocean and coming back up and just screaming as loud as i could like what just happened and my whole life sarah i swear to you just went like this like about four degrees this way and from then on out it was like i don't know where i'm going or how but like this is this this is where 
my life is going to emanate from. Six months later, it was snowboarding. Um, I was skating, and then I just, that, you know, you find out that there's a whole culture, and mm -hmm. there's music, and there's there's this individual, is this this beautiful place for you to like find artistic expression as an athlete, but then there's all this whole fringe that comes with it of of, of creative people who um, don't really fit in, and I did not fit in in my town. So it was crazy that like. The thing that I chose was the thing that everyone thought only white people did, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> which they let me know quickly. You know, I, I remember like being in my government economics class, telling a kid that I had just started learning to surf, and he was like, "But you guys don't even swim, bro! Like, hmm. what do you mean?" And, I, and he looked at me like I, he was serving me like a, a public service announcement. I was like, no, that's not true, mm -hmm. you know. And then I'd go to the beach, and like, you know, people were not afraid to like throw the N word and and all these other things. But all that did was just get me fired up more because the joy that I was experiencing in this thing was so powerful mm -hmm. that whatever was gonna like I'd had to get through to get to doing the thing, I was willing to pay those taxes. It wasn't it wasn't until much much later that I realized that oh, you guys never have. To have you don't have any concept of like having to navigate a bunch of bullshit to get to, into actually experiencing this thing that you love and that you've gotten generationally. Right. But yeah, I just it just made me really curious about the outdoors, and um, I found was able to like find a whole life in it. Well, so how old were you? I guess the first time when you went to Australia and you you know that's where was, you kind of yeah, connected was, with surfing. I was fifteen. 15. And so before 15, like before that happened, mm. like, did you have anything in your life? Like, how was life before that? Because music. Music. Was I had music in my life. I grew up. So I grew up in New York till I was about 14. And then my mother and stepfather moved to New England. But I would still be on, on the weekends a couple times a month. And when my dad was home and not touring, I'd be in New York with him. Yeah. So my earliest memories with my father um, was spent in jazz clubs. Mm. You know, I was in New York in, in, in places called like the Village Gate and McKell's and the Blue Note. And when my dad had me on the weekends, he would explicitly be like, "Don't tell your mother that you that we that you we were in the club. Like, you know, be cool." I like your pop, man. And um, <laughs> so awesome. I would be in the club with him till like three in the morning. Yeah, you know, he'd be playing two or three sets, and that was. Music and, and dance and the arts was my world. And so I really thought that I was going to become a musician or an actor. Like I really loved what came with all that. When you grow up, you know, with a, with a, with a parent who is always gigging, mm -hmm. you just get to know the whole world and everything that lies behind. Um, I, I, I really fell in love with it. And I, and I played the other thing about going, growing up in New York is you're in the public back then in the New York public school system. Like, at seven, eight years old, they just threw us all in a room, and they're like, with interest, instruments spread out across the floor, and like, all right, go pick one. Yeah, yeah. And same. then you pick one, and now you're in the band. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then same thing with the choir, and same thing with uh, with plays. So that was that was really what my where my aspirations lied. But on the other side of that, I had my my mother was remarried, and my stepfather was like a, a deeply devout Jehovah's Witness. Mm -hmm. um, so I had this other world where I was going to church five times a week and going and knocking on doors and telling people that, you know, if they don't listen or take this magazine, that 
they're not gonna they're gonna How die. was that for you? I mean, did you believe in what you were like when you went and knocked on the door, you had did yeah. you have a firm belief that this was what I had you a firm to? belief in that I had a firm belief in that my conscience was was being was programmed for me. Yeah. You know, you this is dogma. Mm-hmm. It's not optional. And so the rules come with like this or you're dead. Everything is like if you want everlasting life, you're gonna follow these things or you just die. Yeah. Like no hell. Just mm-hmm. like you don't get to live forever. That was the whole the whole catch. It's like, you know, fire and brimstone's gonna come and then we all get to live forever. You're like, what? That sounds amazing. So there was no heaven. For a hundred and forty four thousand unique special ones based on a scripture couple of scriptures that mention this hundred and forty four thousand. Yeah. Um, everyone else is gonna be on earth. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it was like, yeah, I want to stay here and just, you know, I guess party. get to party and be per- yeah. and have perfection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And so my da- my life with my dad and my life with my parents could have not been more mm. night and day. So I'd be with my dad, which there was none of that. And he'd be like, you know, man, like, leave that alone. Like, this is what the world is. And he's hanging out with, like you know, poets and writers and, you know, actors and musicians and activists. And, like, yeah. I'm seeing it all, you know, mm-hmm. and smoking big, gigantic joints and, you know, pontificating about the world. And then, like, I go back to my life and, like, literally being told you have to stay away from anything that, that is the world. Yeah. So it was this very interesting dance and duality, but it made me nimble. Mm-hmm. It made it so that as a as a little kid, I could just walk into a room, sort of take the take the tone of of, of what folks were up to and doing, and then I could just like adapt, like yeah. really easily adapt. It wasn't until much later, like I think my early twenties, that I was like, I have no idea who I am, because you just you're adapting and pleasing, adapting and pleasing, adapting and pleasing. Yeah. But don't you don't you think it helped you like having these two kind of polar opposite superpower? Like, because I I have again I relate to you on that too. I think it only helped me having a very powerful, charismatic dad, always partying. Mm -hmm. You know, got in trouble, but he got away with it. Same, absolute, (laughs) absolute same. My dad was a full on functioning like high performance, making incredible creative contributions to the zeitgeist, while also like battling addiction yeah the whole time but yeah. i didn't know that until maybe my late teens to be like oh wait like this is maybe a problem yeah so i guess because i resonate with that like which one because i know for me when i had pop who was like partying charismatic everybody loved him walked in a room was like hey tam you know and yeah. then i had my mom who was super rigid looked unhappy ish, you know, mm. because she was so, you know, raising three kids and really, you know, and my dad was full blown alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, us. But us, I mean, who are we the same pro- So when I looked, when I was like, oh, who do I want to be? I one hundred percent was like the old man. Yeah, same. You know? I, I definitely I think what it was about the old man was that he believed that you were allowed to make mistakes and sort of he also believed that you could pick from all of these different places and figure out and find who you were going to be. Yeah. And I think the thing that about my world was that it was like our world and then everyone else is like not us. That's not us. They're they're shit out of luck to the point where like 
we're not hanging out with them unless we have to, like work, school, etc. Yeah. And then you, we are amongst these people who think and pray and believe, like us, you know. And it came with, came with big rules, like you know, no sex before marriage, and no touching, and couldn't date before marriage, mm -hmm. and. All those things, and you're a teenager, and you're like, why do I, why do I, are you sure it's the devil? <laughs> Satan really doing this to me? Because it feels kind of good in here. I'm confused. It all brings us back to the dominatrix <laughs> having claws down your back. Yeah. You're like, this is because I was born yeah, was, religious. Yeah. I think, I think that might have been it. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting interesting dance to to navigate but i'm i'm grateful for it because i think even as i became a television host yeah i borrowed from the strict nature of how i was taught to reason mm -hmm. i like literally we grew, I grew up with a book called reasoning from the scriptures where you were taught how to reason with people so that you could win them over ah as, as, as a jehovah, uh, as jehovah a jehovah's witness, witness yeah Okay. Yeah, like right. you when we show up at your doors, it, that's not random. <laughs> we're pretty much ready for anything unless you like pull out a weapon and we're like peace out. <laughs> and the like handful of times that like women would come, especially when I was a late, in my late teens, where they would just show up in like a nighty and no mm -hmm. and and no bra just to like to fuck with you, and you're just like, <laughs> what's happening? It happened more than a few times. Um, <laughs> But uh, it gave so so there was that, and then there was my father as this, you know, as a showman and a storyteller, yeah. and someone who his he had to read the room, mm -hmm. you know, he had to read the room and win the audience every night, yeah. and in between songs and playing like storytell and like and 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 help paint the picture of these songs that he was singing for them and playing for for them, telling stories of where he. He came from, my father was a political exile from South Africa mm -hmm. during apartheid for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And so his whole thing was like, I'm going to play these songs and teach people about where I'm from and have them feel this magic in a way that like they're pissed mm -hmm. and they wanna like help end apartheid. And yeah. people thought he was crazy, you know? 30 years, that, you know, why don't you take citizenship here or take citizenship there? He's like, no man, because I know that it's, this shit is gonna end and as soon as it's finished, I'm going home. Yeah. So that was the that was the duality that I that I that I had, but it gave me. I think when it came time to apply myself, when I had the opportunity to start to do some hosting and do some work in the action sports world, as it's the X Games and things started to come about, I kind of had I had the I had I had the skill set within me, mm -hmm. and then I just had to learn and get the reps in. And it's what's interesting that you kind of you made that transition there because when I um, <clears throat> looked at you know one of the X Games I'm from Louisville Kentucky and I don't know if you were in yeah Louisville, I went Kentucky to Louisville in for 1999 I was in Louisville Kentucky for the uh, for B three it was like an X Games qualifier yes. I hosted that I was there I was there no way yes what? of course yo listen when I found out no that when I I was, I'm telling you, like, That's I have so much fire for who you are that when I, you know, you I remember that trip so well because I remember the idea of what I thought Kentucky was going to be. I'd never been yeah, before. And I was okay. like, oh, yeah. shit, man, we're going to like 
deep into like yeah. gird your loins your race for the racism that you're about to bathe in yeah, yeah. and then That's you get real. to louisville and like people are like cool and there's like gay bars along the river and i was like <laughs> yeah. where are we like this place is like i really fell in love with louisville on that trip that's crazy. That excuse me louisville 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 yeah. louisville yeah yeah it was a big deal there they was thousands there was like 15 20 000 people that i remember how big that event was yeah. it was one of the first events after i i started at x games they were like yeah, you were taking you on the road. You're our guy. Yeah. That's a trip. Yep. Well, I was, because at that time I was I was living in Chicago. I just had moved to Chicago from, like, right out of high school. Mm. And I was dating. I told Jason this, and he had burned me at the stake for it. But I was dating an uh, inline skater. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard. It's okay. It's okay. He's a cool dude. It's okay. He can um, yes, it's okay. Snowboard. I'm just laughing at what I'm laughing at. I can just imagine when you said that to Jason, and because you know I'm. Oh wow, that must have been a moment. Thanks for keeping that latch to your heart open. I appreciate. No, nope, no worries. I was just hanging out with an inline dude that used to compete in the X Games. I hadn't seen in like 20 years. Yeah. And I remember like how much I kind of was a dick to him. <laughs> And, I, and then finally, I, I catch up to him. He's still doing his thing. And I was yeah. like, oh, my God. I wanted to be like, I wanted to tell him, but I didn't. But I realized how much I, I, as I was such, we were so hardcore yeah. as skateboarders. Just be like, no, <laughs> you are not one of us. You're not even supposed to be here. And I was like, well, that was the thing is that we all drove down there. He drove down there with the rest of his buddies. <laughs> Who else in that skater? I'm so sorry, Drew. I do. I, I love him so much. I still talk to him. And he's an amazing videographer. He turned, because he's really tall. So for him to actually be, you know, professional in that sport was right. almost impossible. Super he was impossible. Like six, yeah. Three almost. Like he's, he's tall. Like he was a Tony Hawk of, of, of <laughs> inline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um,. <clears throat> But yeah, we drove down there, like some other kids from Oceanside, San Diego, who mm -hmm. we met. And, uh, and, <laughs> but we, we went there, and I remember I just thought how cool they were because I would go down there. And while the X Games were not filming, right. that all the like local skater kids would go and like do the rain. I remember. And like all that kind of stuff. I remember. And, but I do remember the vibe of of watching skaters in the inline. <laughs> it's like being in a big dog park where like the little dogs came over to the big dog park and the big dog's like, what the fuck? Get and I'm like, yeah, but I can. You're like, no, bit. you know what I mean? It was kind of like that. Yes, it so, was. <laughs> so, so, but that was one of the things. So, which leads me. Okay. So you talked about being a broadcaster, a host for uh, sports, for ESPN, uh, MTV. MTV. Yeah. That's where I got my start. E. E, I had my own show on, on the entertainment. I know, I called read the, that. Called the Daily Ten. Yeah. I worked there five nights a week for four and a half years. Yeah. Ryan Seacrest was my lead. Set summer in motion with the most adventurous Honda vehicles yet, like the Passport and Pilot Trail Sport, and the Ridgeline, built for better off-road performance and engineered for more adventure. Summer's here. 
For a limited time, well-qualified buyers can get a 3.9% APR on a 2023 Honda Pilot, a 2.9% APR on a 2023 Passport, and a 0.9% APR on a 2023 Ridgeline. Buy online, reserve from select dealers, or visit your local Honda dealer today. See dealer for financing details. Yeah, it was me and uh, a girl named Kat Sadler and yeah. Debbie Batanopoulos. They were my co-hosts. And uh, I had I had dreadlocks then. And it was a pretty big deal because there were no... There were no there were no dudes that looked like me doing entertainment, like television uh, at that time, and especially not coming from my world. And when I first got that job, mm-hmm. I was terrified. Yeah, I was like, oh, all, all, all my cool points within my culture, in my world, yeah. they're just gonna be like sell out and you're done. Like you're gonna go back to X Games and you're gonna get rocked. And yeah. instead, they were like, dude. I could only watch your sh- I watch your show with my chick. Man, that's the only one that I'll watch. Yeah. Cause like it's you and you like make it funny. And I was like, really? I'm g- I'm I'm still good. And it was a uh, talk about getting reps. Yeah. You know, I had been doing like events and contests. You know, but there's gaps between you get a show like that where you got to write, you got to produce, and it's 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 five days a week and you're going out and doing junkets and and all this shit and that was just the best sharpener that i could have ever asked for yeah it was super fun well it's like because now if you think about it it takes so much to get any job in this industry right it's highly it's crazy yeah and if you don't have followers if you don't that's what but it's so different that's what i'm saying it's mind-blowing and i don't think i want to live here anymore like on this world so because now yeah it's based on social media the 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 lens has changed and to what's not important but who's following you and whatever how many so that's like how did you get how did you go from being you know just a you know a, a fucking avid every sportsman you can do mm. rad dude hanging out to like being a broadcaster for all of these major major networks i wasn't pro and you know the only the only way that you could usually like sustain the your lifestyle was to be pro uh or to start a company yeah. and so i went to work for different companies oh, okay. um i started at first at a magazine um, and when I worked at this magazine, at Transworld Snowboarding and Skateboarding Magazine, they would put on events. Mm-hmm. And so we would all take turns on the mics at these events because we're DIYing these contests Smart. before they were on television. And I got a reputation as somebody who could be funny, keep the crowd entertained, the skaters entertained. Um, I'd make up bios about folks okay. and just like I'm, you know, <laughs> contextualizing the world world events in the people's runs. And yeah. um, I got a rep and people were like, hey, you were really good. Could you come to our, our shop and do our skate demo yeah. next week? We'll give you store credit. Be like, store credit? Store yeah, credit. I'll be there. Can you come over? Can you come up to, uh, uh, to our mountain, come to Snow Summit and do our contest? We'll give you free lift tickets. Like, what? Yeah. Which costs $7,000 Exactly. Now, so. And that's how I got it started to get reps and get a reputation. And then Madison Avenue realized that action sports, there's this subculture of kids who are doing really cool shit that could help sell products. So suddenly we became extreme. <laughs> Mountain Dew got involved. And we're like, like wait, what? we're not ex- we're not extreme. Like, no, we were extreme. <laughs> Thus the extreme games, which they yeah. shortened to the X games because we were like, we're not fucking extreme. Yeah. And um they started <laughs> they started off with stick and ball like traditional broadcasters yeah. who if you don't know the culture, be like, you know, having somebody come and host 
a you know a comedy night and you're not you don't speak the language like yeah. you're going to look dumb yeah and espn realized oh we need to actually get some people who know the sports and the culture and we can teach them how to be broadcasters and the and people i would yeah. imagine right yeah yeah and so they um they saw me on a, a mtv sports and music festival that was my first gig where i was literally opposite carson daly um t teaching him about our world and I, I I got and he taught me a lot. I'm I'm grateful to Carson. He was he, that dude was just like, he, he's that guy. Every time the pitch came, it's going to the same place, same part in the yard, and the audience knew it. And they're just like, yeah, that's our guy, Mister Consistent, yeah. Mister Consistent. And I it took me a long time to realize that you didn't have to be the fucking coolest dude. You just needed to be consistent. Yeah. Um, and ESPN, um. They invited me to come and be a sideline reporter at snow for snowboarding at Crested Butte, Colorado, in 1999. A guy walked up to me in a bar two months mm -hmm. beforehand in Breckenridge, Colorado. He said, "Hey, you sell Masakella?" Mm -hmm. I was at the Vans Triple Crown of snowboarding. I was working with a brand that I was uh, doing called Alpha in America at the time. And he said, "I'm I'm Phil Orleans. I'm from ESPN. I'm I'm, I'm looking for you." I stood up in my seat at the bar and I looked out to everyone. I was like. Who the fuck put this guy up to this? Not cool. Because after the contest, everybody would be hanging out. And yeah. I sit back down, and he bring, breaks out his, like, embossed red leaf, like, 75 cents a card. Card that says, Phil Orleans, senior not executive producer. Print, yeah. Not Vistaprint. This is... <laughs> This is that shit. This bitch is on campus. Yeah, this yeah. is that. This is that. That good, good. It's on steel. Yeah, on basically on cardboard like, steel. Card? He hands me his card, and I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry." And he's like, "Yeah, can we talk?" And um, I read him the riot act. I told him everything that was wrong with the X Games for four hours, and then he offered me a job, and I was like, "No way." Got home, told my friends, "I met this guy from X Games. He wanted me to come and do the X Games," and they're like, "And?" I was like, "I told him no." And they're like, "What?" Like you could be, you can help to make it better for us, for the people. Yeah. What do you? And fortunately, he called me a couple of days later and basically be like, "Are you still stupid?" And How old were you in at this time? I was twenty seven. Yeah, twenty yeah, seven. Dumb yeah. age. Yeah, you know, on that and a dude. <laughs> dumb. Dumb. Just no offense. Same. Full of dumb. And I had just left my church, and like I was experiencing the world for the first time. So I was basically nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's where I got my start. Yeah. And they had the athletes come down and suddenly they're talking to somebody who speaks their language and now they're getting this energy that they've not gotten, never gotten before. And at the end of that X Games, they were like, do you know anything about skateboarding? I was like, yeah. Like, Can you be in Virginia Weeks Beach with us yeah. in two weeks? Louisville, et cetera. And I got a 13-year paid television broadcasting education at ESPN. And within two years, I went from being a sideline reporter to be in the play-by-play -play announcer for all of the skateboarding and snowboarding events, and then made the the overall host of the X Games, like on some Bob Costas at the Olympics type shit. And my whole life, my whole life and world, like changed. Yeah, like I, it was it was insane. Damn. Yeah. And did you still, when once you became a commentator and kind of took that role on, because mm -hmm. now you're an observer and kind of communicating to people who don't understand. Yeah, I'm, I'm basically preaching a new gospel. I'm teaching yeah. the world about our culture. Right. Yeah. And so it did, so a lot of time, so did that create a, a kind of a challenge for you to participate in those sports again? No. No, you kept doing it anyway? And if anything, it was just like, 
a cheat code. Yeah. Because now I get to be at all the events. And I get to be on on the mountains. I get to, I, I was doing surf events as as well the, on the world tour of surfing, all over the world, and you know get there early, stay late, and got got to go and surf and ride all these spots that I dreamed of, being at these contests, um, and that became my life like up until now. Like I you know I've, I've, I'm still doing it. I've been I went from ESPN to working for for Red Bull. Um, something called the Red Bull Signature Series uh, around 2012. Um, and then I got to do this big show that I that I put together at, with Vice um, called Vice World of Sports. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, I've never actually gotten to surf, snowboard or surf more than I do today. And I've watched generations of athletes, athletes actually come and go. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm still getting to be uh, at the party. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, where do you, that's the thing. So when you started snowboarding, because surfing was easy, West Coast, mm-hmm. you water. Um, skateboarding, easy. Mm-hmm. Total West Coast culture out here. Also, I mean, up nationwide, but yeah. still West Coast, it's pretty. But snowboarding, then we're going to get to our paintings. But snowboarding, where did you first learn to snowboard in Southern California? I started at um, in Big Bear at Snow Summit. Okay. Which was about two and a half hours from me in San yeah. Diego. Yeah. Um, I went on a, on a, uh, over Christmas break with some friends. Didn't even have like ski gear or anything. You had to rent I it? Did you rent it? Not only did I have to it? rent it, like I was in Sorel boots, yeah. which were not Comfy. like proper boots. <laughs> yeah. And I wore a wetsuit because. <laughs> a surfing wetsuit? Just, That's amazing. I was like, it keeps you warm in the ocean. My f- friends and I were like, well, my, my, Keep you warm in the mountain, not realizing yeah. that all it's doing is literally like wicking every drop of water within your body yeah. <laughs> out of it. Yeah. And um, yeah, one of my friends passed out in the parking lot at the end of the day just from, from dehydration. Okay. But I didn't. And yeah. And same thing. I was just like, oh, I'm doing this. Put this in the file, too. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a thing because now gear and snowboarding gear. I grew up as a skiing and snowboarding because my mom was a ski yeah. instructor. But now gear is like it's all about the gear. If you got Burton, you got a Burton boot. You know the whole thing. It's expensive as shit. You want to hear something crazy? Yeah, I do. My first job in this industry was answering the phones at Transworld Snowboarding mm-hmm. and Skateboarding Magazine. Now, 25, 30, 25 years what was twenty seven years later. I sit on the executive board at Burton Snowboards. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, I sit. I sit on the board after Jake Burton passed away. Um, the family came to me a year later and said, "Hey, um, we want to fill the seat. We need to fill the seat, and we think that Jake would want you to to uh, take this place, and we want to help grow. We want to help grow what the sport looks like." Yeah. Um, and you're the person who can help give us that perspective, which is like, I, I need, like I, I literally cried in that moment. That's wild. Um, and it's been a in- incredible two and a half years, um, where, yeah, I go sit in board meetings and like help shape the direction of the company and I don't got to worry about paying for equipment no more either. <laughs> no, that's... Yeah. I grew up. Burton was like Burton, like they, you know, you watch the snowboard videos. Of Burton yeah. sponsored by Burton, like they were like. Still is. It's still the the Top. definitive brand. Yeah. And so to be able to work there and help like 
be a part of shaping it now is well as that for a kid who was fairly late to the party is insane yeah well i, I formally invite you back to paola indiana to see what people are wearing there on those <laughs> slopes of I'm sure that the hill of Paoli. I'm pretty sure that it's 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 probably pretty flavorful. Do you want to take a guess at what the most popular wear is there? Probably a hoodie at Close. night with no gloves. Definitely that. Or like a garage style jacket. Uh, they're usually either they're <clears throat> please. Uh, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. But this is what I grew up with. Okay. Um, Carhartts. Carhartt full. Uh, oh yeah, full the full onesie hunting yeah. uh -huh. here with hefty trash bags over top for Bang. insulation, so it didn't get wet. About that life. Oh yeah. That's commitment. Oh yeah, no poles, drunk as shit, because it was midnight ski. Right. So it's that's what, so. And bulletproof. And bulletproof as well. <laughs> as, as well. But yeah, like I mean, ice. I. It was the time of my life, like, because it was so insane. Like, I didn't hang out with the, like, I hung out with, like, skate, you know, I always liked the dirtier version of every human being, which mm -hmm. was usually skaters. And so, you know, I'd hang out with them. But on the chairlift, the, you know, you would just watch these idiots, like, woohoo! And then they just go fucking 90 miles an hour because they put Crisco oil on the bottom of their skis. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I gotta try them. So I formally invite Burton to come back to... Paoli, um, Indiana? Yeah, we're at ground zero back there as far as what we're doing and where we're headed, really. But um, That's amazing. But now being at the top, does it... Are you... When you kind of, like, walk the halls, right, and you see young interns, like, how do you... What do you... I tell... I, yeah. I, I tell them. I, I, I let them know... People are always surprised... You know how it is when people see you in front of these cameras. They, it's hard for people to compute that you had a start, yeah, and that your start comes from something else entirely, and that you were there, like at eye level with them. Mm -hmm. So when I when I go and talk to kids and and or I'm 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 at different brands that I work at, I let people know like I I did your job. They're like what? Mm -hmm. Tell them tell them a little bit of the story and. Um, I just let them know, like, hey, it, stay as close to your passions as possible. Yeah. It's not the secure choice. No. At all. Mm -mm. And, you know, within my story, I was, how many times did I literally just hanging off the cliff by one finger being like, it's over. There's no way mm -hmm. that um, this is going to continue. And then something happens and you, you get to you, you get another shot. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, mm -hmm. I'm so glad that, like. I didn't take the fucking um, promotion when I was at Bank of America to um, become the head of new accounts. Can you imagine? I can. What your life would have, how different? Yeah, because they were like, yo, $13 an hour. <laughs> and these benefits right here, a woman will yo. definitely be like, give me a fucking child yeah, uh -huh. with this package here. Do you want that? You don't want that? Oh you can make a a whole ass baby mm. and wear um suits to the point where you like your armpits will sweat Sweating. your shirts. Yeah. Um but I enjoyed the people part yeah. of it and there was a little part of temptation being like, yeah, I'm going to be solid. Yeah. And um I'm glad that didn't happen. I'm grateful for the time, but I'm glad that I'm just glad that I never chose security. I just the 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 thing that 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 freedom that comes with the risk of chasing what you love mm 
is a it's a I think it's the healthiest drug you can do. Mm. Damn. All right. And so what when you said you're hanging out because I understand that feeling like, you know, choosing a life of risk rather than stability. But I guess how is for a lot of I think a lot of artists kind of listen to this podcast and free thinkers and creative people. And but when you're saying like hanging by one finger, which everybody knows what that is, like I'm either going to you know, go to work at Bank of America and hunker down, or I'm going to keep going through this living hell of insecurity and not knowing, but like riding that edge of that's my passion and I'm going to do it. Mm. You know, living or not living is basically for, for it, for me. Um, what keeps you, what keeps you, um, from not letting go or from, or what keeps you like your gas tank full that you're gonna that you decide you make the decision to go with the creative, uh, not stable life. I know how to be poor. Okay. Yeah. I know how to be broke and happy. Yeah. And I think that is what keeps me going. Like I'm not afraid that I'm gonna like crash and be destroyed. I'm just like, all right, well maybe I'll end up like teaching surf lessons someplace and have a small shack someplace and like be, I can picture happiness if this all goes away. Mm -hmm. And that is what allows me to, to keep on taking chances, especially, you know, this business is fucked up, Crazy, right? Like mm -hmm. the most powerful thing that I think I've learned is like, no, you know, like saying no to the opportunities that might give you like all of the bread, but literally like make you, you don't even get to do the thing that you want to do. Mm -hmm. They want a version of you mm -hmm. that you, you got to weigh out like, okay, is this going to, because I do believe, I do believe in doing what you have to, to do what you want to. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's just like doing what you have to, doing what you have to, doing what you have to, to the point where like, I don't even know what I want anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, this business can lure you into thinking that you're actually doing what you what you what you came here to do and what you want yeah so yeah that that no is like my lightsaber now yeah and i don't say it often but when i do it's like that shit feels Feel good, good. <laughs> <laughs> no i need to borrow that so much we were just talking about that i yeah it's all self-esteem too and confidence yeah and you know what they always end up back, come back calling you later. Yes, you're right. And being like, hey, um, yeah, last year, yeah. <laughs> can you come and do this thing? And um, how would you like to do it? And can we give you more money? Yeah. Like 60% of the time yeah. when, I've, when I have to say the hard no, mm -hmm. that shit ends up coming back around in my favor. A year, two, three, sometimes five later where you're like, you know, that person ended up having respect for you and they were bummed that they couldn't get you. And so they thought about you for this thing. Ba, 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 ba. Yeah. It's crazy. But it's also super spiritual in a way. Like it's it's a real guidepost for living that is graduated level shit, to be I, honest. I like, think so. You know, I think. And, uh, and what I mean by that is it sounds like and I swear to God, um, it's because you've made several decisions in your career that were risky. And I, I, when I was looking at, you know, even with your name, like when you made that decision, yeah. that was a risk. I went by Sal Masekela for a long time. Right. But it wasn't 
again, that was something that was put on me to be more digestible for the Midwest. Right. They're like, Salema, man, you know, people are just, they're going to spend so much time looking at the screen oh, and they're not going to hear what you're saying. And I remember the dude throwing up the air quotes being like, oh, boy. Salma Sakila. Oh. It just fits. Ugh, I can picture that dude. <laughs> and just being like, all right. And kids, how I even got the, the name was from kids at school being like, it's too hard. And be like, I remember the kids running up to me like a week after being at Carlsbad High. I'm like, dude, we fucking figured it out. I'm like, what? Boy, like, what? We got it, dude. <laughs> You're Sal. And I was like, huh? Like, yeah, dude. Yeah. Fucking Sal, bro. And like, they got excited. I was like, no. And then you're just walking down the hallway and people, hi, Sal. Ugh. Yes, Sal. Okay. Yes, Sal. Yeah. And then you just start about right off it goes. So when I got on television, I remember being like, all right, y'all are going to fucking font my name. It's going to be up there, Salema. People can say whatever they want, but that was my grandfather's name. Like, this is my name. And I was really pushing for Salema. And this executive um, who was the head of uh, president of, of, of programming at ESPN? He just told me one day when I was doing the I was doing the NBA. I just started the NBA, mm. which was a big deal. Sideline reporting the, the fucking NBA basketball. Yeah, I was a sideline reporter for the Western Conference of uh, and of the NBA on ESPN and ABC. So you're well well educated in basketball. Yeah. You know? Okay. But that just came from my style and delivery was so much different. Yeah. That one of the executives at ESPN was like, you know what? We should get this guy on the hardwood. And imagine all the beat reporters and the people who had like were killing themselves at like regional college, you know, networks hoping to get a chance to be, you know, in the NBA. And they see the X Games guy in there, they were not fucking stoked <laughs> You're at like, Bruh. all. But um, <laughs> but awesome. uh, yeah. But anyway, long story short, I you know a few years ago to 2020, I just was like, you know what? I, if my career goes away because I decide to use my name, then no one's been paying attention to what I have to say. Yeah. Anyway, and things have been fine. Yeah. Well, that's what that's so you make decisions based on your own self empowerment, what you think is right, your moral code. And a lot of times it doesn't align with a majority of what you think is going to get you success or get you liked or whatever. Comfort with yourself. The only way I believe that you can enjoy success mm -hmm. is to be comfortable with yourself. Yep. Um, and it, it, you know, it, it in each, every aspect of this business, and whether it's comedy, et cetera, I'm sure folks have, you know, they, they, they figure that out and make a decision to be like, yeah, I think I'm going to do me. Yeah. It's because guess what? Mm. Nobody out of the eight fucking billion people on this planet, nobody can do you. Yeah. No one. Mm -hmm. There's just not, no one can do you. So why the f why would you try to be anyone else? Mm -hmm. You know, you you get convinced and thinking, oh, I gotta mm -hmm. man, uh, look what there. But at the end of the day, like that's that's your that's your literal that's your deep superpower. Yeah. No, I'm completely in alignment. I think I, my whole life work here it's not to be successful, but it is to clear out everything that that has stood between me and my authentic self and just being that, do right. you know what I mean? If success comes from that, dope. <laughs> it's a nice byproduct of yeah. being able to just be. Yeah, you. but I've heard that too. Like people are always like, I wanna be happy, I'm not happy. I wanna be happy, I'm not happy. But <laughs> it's true, like myself included. I was always like, I just wanna be happy. And so. I don't know that you. It's not happy though, it, but people, like there's a saying that like happiness is a byproduct of taking good actions. Yeah, right. I, I think happiness Something is like a, is a, is is a is a byproduct, but you don't just get to 
be it. And you're only supposed to get it in doses. Yeah. Happy, go through some shit. Happy, go through some shit. Right, bud? Happy, go through some shit. She gets it. Yeah. 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 Well, really quick, because we're very similar on that. And I tell you, know, I know you get it. It's amazing. Um, So. So. We do these little drawings. Oh, boy. So we, yeah. So it's super. I am the, the, the most not drawer. I, I doubt it. You, you can't mess this up. Okay, good. The, here's the brilliance. I of just it. don't. This someone stretched this canvas, and I <laughs> just want to. Just don't want it to be in vain. <laughs> There's no wasted <laughs> canvas, man. There's no wasted creativity time ever, okay. ever. It's so <sighs> funny. I've had I'm, every guest is. They are so brilliant in their fields of creativity. However, they are, and they, everybody has the same thing with this. And that's so. One of the things. One kind of branch of creativity that I do is uh, visual arts and so a lot of my uh, kind of the way that dri what drives my ship basically is mm. freedom mm. be free like mm. be be you like yeah. be free to <laughs> even your fuck ups are good like it's all part of it so I you know when I first started doing drawing I was always so wrapped up in whether it was going to be perfect there's no such thing right. so I just kind of removed that and I started these no look drawings Okay. So what you and I will do is I will draw you and you'll draw me. So oh Lord, super Sarah. easy cheese. I know it's a real intimate situation. I, but this could, we things have been going so well for us, and then you're and just then gonna be I like, sabotage. oh my god, what did he? Is this how he sees? Oh no! Well, here's can I give you this? Every single drawing, they all look alike. I'm not. I need to regroup the record in my brain because they all look the same. I okay. don't know what it is. It's just my style. So. so you just look at the canvas once, right, uh -huh. as a starting point, like I'm looking. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to look at you, right. right? And then I'm drawing you. And not looking I'm at not the looking, canvas. And it's just kind of based on how I feel. I need to sip of water. Yeah, I'm going. It's fine. You don't even have to do it. Mm -mm. You don't want to. Listen. Challenge That would make me the, the greatest asshole that ever came on this show. Yeah. Well, You've already begun. Because it takes like. Woman. Okay, hey, look look at the canvas once. So and then draw her. while I do this, I'm gonna uh -huh. add an extra layer for you. Mm -hmm. So I ask every guest because obviously the podcast is called Not Cool. Mm -hmm. So what is the most not cool thing about Selena? <sighs> the most not cool thing about me as he tries <laughs> not. Now I'm thinking of an answer. Not looking at camera. Look 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 at your subject. Ask. Look at your subject. Um, I, the most not cool thing about me <laughs> is that, uh, I'm deeply unorganized to the point of, uh, I, I, I live in a, a perpetual state of, of self-sabotage. Okay. And I get that. And so you keep, so you don't take actions to organize your surroundings like you just kind of like let it no i'm also like i think i'm addicted yeah to um the uh i'm addicted to the the terror of not being um uh not having my shit together so like the crisis yeah like you're addicted to like the crisis yeah do you okay i i i totally get that um, I'm a sabotager myself, so oh, I, cool. I understand those things. My, my people. 
Oh, I've done levels of sabotage in my life that are uh, gut-wrenching and right. like l- nauseating to people listening. They're like, you did what? Right. And I repeat it. Like, it's not just like one time. I'm like, yeah, this one time. I, oh boy, do you live and you learn. Right. <laughs> Repeatedly just dunking myself in like the bullpen of the pool. Right. You know, like just, you know. Um, so I definitely, definitely, definitely identify with that. So I guess, do you, are there things that you do to combat that? Because I think a lot of artists are like that. Yeah. Uh, therapy, a lot of therapy. Yeah. Um, meditation. Um, I'm now learning to just, instead of thinking that I'm just going to like one day wake up and be like, I've got it figured out, mm-hmm. implement systems mm-hmm. that counteract my shit and know that like, this is just a part of your DNA makeup and it's okay yeah so like a level of acceptance yeah acceptance is a a very big deal because for a very long time i just felt like uh it was only me yeah yeah everyone else can't be like like this um and i'm i'm better at it now do you want to see you do you want to see you yeah (laughs) they're always funny so this is look you don't even have a mouth i forgot your mouth Ooh. Yeah. I like him. Do you know? I like her. That's really good. I have no pupils. <laughs> I look like <laughs> I look like uh is it hereditary? I like <laughs> <laughs> Where did my eyeballs go? <laughs> I just, I, just know. <laughs> I feel like it's your so eyes good. are real like windows into it your soul. soul. So I just wanted to keep them open. That's so artistic of you, man. I really love <laughs> You gave me no eyes. I gave you no mouth. Look what at is, that. What does that mean? What does that even mean? I think if we just juxtaposed the two of them, we'd become one actual person. <laughs> That's really awesome. I can't thank you enough for oh uh, my gosh. inviting me. When I got your note... Because um, I really spent time on your page being like, oh, this woman's amazing. Like, I really, f- I felt that little clip that Jason posted, you asked him with such earnest. And I know Jason well. Yeah, and I saw, I saw where he was, like, in his chest. Yeah. And I was like, I got to know who this person is. Because yeah. she's a real one. And yes. then I, 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 I just saw your work and the, and the art and and all of the, the stuff and the comedy. I was like, that's that's my person. Yeah. That's a that's a, that's a person of that I need to know. Yeah. Um, and that's why I just like followed you. And so when I got your note the next day and you were like, hey, so you don't know me? I was like, what's <laughs> happening? Because I didn't even say anything. I've never and done that, by the way. Really? I, that's the first time I've ever done that. Ever. Well, I'm I'm so grateful that you did, and I'm and I was not wrong. Like you are, mm-hmm. I feel I literally feel like when I walked in here and met you and your wife, I was just like, oh, you like my 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 people. So thank you. To be deeply continued, I hope. Oh my God, no! To- I'm t- I I really look at me wrapping up your show. <laughs> no, I please, I am terrible at goodbyes. You should see all of my. They're so awkward. I'm like, yeah, like I don't know. So I appreciate that you're actually way smoother than I am, but um, but feelings back at you like a Care Bear, like like ten thousand. Um, and that's why I was so quick to message you because you really you've one you've just kind of encompassed all of my childhood fantasies of like this guy does 
all the stuff I dreamed about as a kid, as a little skier, you know. Um, I'm not good at surfing. I'm not good at skateboarding. But okay. snowboarding, I'll do all day long. Awesome. We'll get and you in the mountains. Yeah, I need to go here. I don't even go in California. Go I to only Mammoth. go to Pale. It's going to be open through August. And Breckenridge, by the way, super special place in my heart. It's really? Kinda, I grew up there. Yeah, I grew up like doing all... I, I had many chairlift experiences there. I've stalked a lot of snowboarders there. I feel like you... I will get to know that you've lived like 30 lives. Well, same. Same. Yeah. I think the older... Uh, as we continue to get older, I think the more and more... The, the less walls you kind of just... And then you connect immediately. And yeah. the people that you don't, you don't. And it's fine. You keep moving. Yeah, respectfully. Fuck you and goodbye. Yeah. Okay. On that note... Thank you so much for coming here. Thank I you adore for you. You can come back anytime. I really could talk to you for hours and hours and hours. I shall. And I will return the favor and you'll come over and be on the What Shapes Us podcast when I'm about to relaunch. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And if you ever need anything, you just let me know. Thank I'm happy you. to help. I shall. I okay. absolutely shall. Bye, you guys. Thanks so much for listening. You're the best. It's my Bye. camera. There's my camera. Bye. Hey everybody, you want more Not Cool? Then go to Instagram and subscribe to Not Cool Pod and or on my own personal page, which is Sarah Highland Rosenstein. And to watch the full videos of the podcast, subscribe to the Comedy Store channel on YouTube. And please don't forget to rate and review and of course, subscribe. Thanks for listening and watching, you guys. Stay Not Cool. <laughs>